Welcome to another episode of Crypto Weekly Extra. We're joined here today with Fran, CEO of Internext, an exciting project. I'll let you introduce it actually, Fran. Why don't you tell us a little bit about what Internext actually is offering? Hey guys, yeah. So Internext is, a, is an innovation company uh, that's planning to disrupt different industries through the use of, the, of revolutionary technology. So right now we're focusing on uh, the cloud industry and we are trying to disrupt it with uh, decentralization. So yeah, basically our first product is called xCloud and uh, it's a decentralized, a decentralized cloud storage service that plans to be more secure, more private than what's currently out there. Can you tell us a little bit about how that is going to work? So yeah, so as, as of xCloud, it's using uh, end-to-end encryption and decentralization. So basically, it, it gets your file. So you you upload a file to the cloud. It gets the file, and uh, it splits it into pieces. It ends to an end to an encrypt it, encrypts it, and uh, it gets spread out throughout our uh, network of of which is a peer to peer network. So we don't store any files ourselves. Files are end to end encrypted, and no single file is is stored on a single machine. So it's it's always um, pieces of files that are stored in, in machines. So basically, if a hacker wanted to you know Gain access to these is significantly much harder than gaining than gaining access to these if they were, uh, you know, stored unencrypted or fully, you know, like a whole file in a single server. And you know, basically through centralization, we are able to provide a technology and a superior service to what's currently out there. Awesome. So presumably there is some benefit for me to host these files myself. Right. Yeah. So we've got. We've got the Xcore program, um, and that's for hosts, basically. So people who want to participate in our uh, decentralized network, they can store files, um, which are end-to-end encrypted. And again, you're never hosting a, a whole file. You're just hosting random pieces of uh, encrypted files. And yeah, you earn internet tokens by doing so. We're going to start these uh, in our beta, which is going to be released quarter three this year, so literally around the corner. And yeah, and from then onwards, people we, we, you know, Xcloud users will start paying for the service and Xcore users will start getting payments for hosting these files. So you say you've got a beta release coming up in Q3. How could one get involved in that? Right now we've got a beta waitlist um, available on our website, so internext.com. And, and yeah, and people can sign up for that. And we'll, we'll be releasing both Xcloud and Xcore on a first-come, first-served basis. So Xcore... Um, you know, we'll be we'll be launching it to the people in a, in the waitlist once the beta comes out, and we will see you know how strong our network is for the beta, and depending on these, uh, we will start rolling out XCloud progressively to you know people in the waitlist. So you know if you guys wanna to sit out, you know you should definitely sign up for the beta waitlist because otherwise chances are you know you, you won't be able to, to to check it out for the beta. Nice. You talked about some of the, the kind of technical aspects of the project, which for us nerds over here, it sounds really exciting. To somebody who, who may not be so technically inclined, could you just give us a kind of, I guess, like a sales pitch to people who aren't necessarily interested in the underlying technology, but more just about the service in general? Mm-hmm. By using current solutions, it's, it's easier basically for a third party to access your files. So right now when you're creating and you're uploading to the cloud, uh, as a part of your of your creative process, uh, it's you know re- relatively easy for uh, the corporation that's hosting your files, or for a hacker, or for a government to basically gain access to this. And that's you know basically what we came here to solve. So that you know whatever you create and upload to the cloud, it's only yours, and that's it. Um, yeah. So basically, it's it's a more secure and more private solution that was currently out there. 
our target market, uh, you know, it's people in the decentralized blockchain industry in the beginning, and afterwards we'll, we'll be targeting businesses because we think that these kind of uh, markets are very concerned in terms of privacy and security. In, in terms of the general population, actually, I think that there's a an increasing concern in what happens with our data after all these Facebook scandals and, and you know all these that goes on all the time. So I think that we'll be rolling out the, uh, this to the you know, general public progressively as well. So. Yeah, basically the file gets end-to-end encrypted, so no one can read it. Only you can read it because you're the only one who can decrypt it. Basically, when you log into your app, the file gets decrypted. Like your, files get, your files get decrypted, so you're the only one who can view them. And when they get sent out to the network, they're encrypted and, again, split into pieces. So no single file is stored by anybody, and they don't have access to them anyway. So strives to be more secure than what's currently out there. That's going to take uh, quite a lot of effort. So our beta version is still a very early version. But we'll keep improving it. Uh, we're going to get uh, different security companies like Hacken, uh, for, for instance, and we're going to be running different audits, uh, external audits, so that at some point next year we can be confident in saying that this is more secure than Dropbox or Google Drive because these companies have a shit ton of money to you know, make sure that their platform is very solid. So although our fundamental technology is superior to theirs, it, it does take a lot of effort to build something solid. So once we have that, I think we'll be confident in saying that it's a superior service that, that was currently out there. So you, you talked about Dropbox and Google Drive and, and those kinds of services. As a, as a more technical person, I feel like a lot of what you're, you're offering, I could do if I could be bothered to, for example, yeah. with, say, GPG um, yeah. and uploading a, an encrypted file that I've encrypted yeah. myself up to Google Drive yeah. or Dropbox. Correct me if I'm wrong, I guess the value add is kind of the ability to maybe mm-hmm. upload it from one machine and then go to a different machine and not have to worry about bring, mm-hmm. you know, tracking your private keys across machines and that kind of stuff. Is that fair? Yeah, so right now it's, it's indeed possible to encrypt your file and just upload it encrypted, right? In fact, there's services like uh, Sync or Treasury, I think, that they already do that. Yeah. Uh, or, or as you said, you could just manually you know, encrypt it yourself and upload it to Google Drive, for instance. The main difference in terms of encryption is that, indeed, basically what you said, we're offering a way to do this uh, in a very simple manner. For example, if you do it right now with Google Drive, you have to do it manually and it's, it's basically a hassle. So unless you're a very technical person, you're not going to really be able to know how to you know, encrypt your file and upload it to Google and it's going to be a hassle. You know, with our solution, we've got this privacy, uh, this end-to-end encryption thing already included and it's cross-platform. Um, cross device. So basically, if you log in somewhere else, uh, you're going to be able to still access your files. You don't have to be tracking your private key. And yeah, that, that's one of the you know the main uh, differentiating factors we have. So it's an end-to-end encryption that's built in our, our service. But not only that, again, uh, I think our main differentiating factor is decentralization because none of these platforms is decentralized in, in any way, basically. So that's what sets us apart. So it's basically the you know underlying technology that's most interesting, the most interesting part, I think. Do you think that the mainstream populace are beginning to turn their attention more towards the security of their data? Yeah, so absolutely, I think so. So, I mean, as I said before, there's been so many scandals already. With iCloud, for instance, uh, I think a couple of years ago it got hacked, mm. and some some famous people were like got, got their pictures leaked or something. Yeah, I had uh, a few. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, um, but, you know, but there's these privacy scandals going on all the time, and, and they come from you know usually hackers, but also from corporations misusing your information, like Facebook's doing, or you know, or, or from governments themselves. So, uh, usually, I mean, I trust Google and I trust the U.S. government, but wouldn't it be better if we wouldn't have to trust them? 
at all. I mean, sure, I trust them, but what, what if I don't have to? And I, I think that's what, what you know. What's interesting about it, is, and yeah, I think you know, there's an increasing concern about what happens with our data. And you know, our, our main markets in the beginning are going to be crypto people who, are, who love decentralization, who love blockchain, who understand it, and who we don't have to explain it to, uh, because they you know they understand it. Uh, it's way easier to target these kind of those people, and yeah. Um, and you know they're going to help us improve the product as well because uh, they're going to be the early adopters. But during 2018, as we have a more solid product, I think that we'll be able to target the mainstream market. So startups, businesses who are more concerned about privacy and security, but afterwards as well, I think the mainstream, uh, you know, j just the average Joe basically, who I think will become increasingly concerned in terms of yeah what happens with his data. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, so when we talk about the average Joe and kind of their perception of the cryptocurrency market as a whole. You're entering a space that there's a lot of chatter about, possibly around like the negative aspects of it, and a space that has increased in value a lot over the past 12 months. Do you feel crypto, the cryptocurrency as a market as a whole, is in a bubble at the moment? How do you feel about the future of the of the crypto market? I think that there was a bubble, and I always said that. I mean. Um, there's a shit ton of projects which don't make sense or are complete scams or it's really frustrating to be honest to see these guys uh, who have no idea about anything with some shit idea um, <laughs> you know who've raised hundred million dollars and you just don't understand it and you go like how the hell have these guys managed to raise, that, to raise so much money are people so stupid but it turns out they are so I mean, th th this is a huge bubble that at some point had to explode and people you know would have to say oh my God, like what, what, what the fuck have I invested in uh, I don't know. I think, yeah, this can last forever, and we, we, you know, we're currently seeing it. I mean, this doesn't mean that cryptocurrency or decentralization doesn't make sense. Uh, it just means that it doesn't make sense in many fields that it was being applied to. And you know, I think I think that's what, what we're seeing right now. So in the coming months, what I think we're going to see is projects that did make sense in the long term. Um, you know, they're going to be going up uh, in terms of visibility and in terms of interest. And projects that you know were just kind of useless, they're going to be disappearing, in my opinion. Yeah, I think that is an opinion that everyone on the Crypto Weekly team agrees with, and it's something that we've been saying for a little while as well. Yeah. There's a lot of dross in the market, and totally. as time goes on, all the terrible ideas and all the terrible projects that we've seen over the past 12 months are going to get shaken out, and there's only going to be quality that remains in the long run. Totally. Yeah, I agree. Mm-hmm. Speaking of dross in the market, how do you how do you fit alongside projects like Made, uh, Sia, and Storage? Whoa, P money! <laughs> <laughs> that was outrageous. I had a look at the other storage coins a, a long time ago, and they seemed like a really a, a pretty decent use case for decentralization. And I and I just wonder how you see your product fitting in, or competing with, or doing better than what they're offering. Right. I also agree that these companies are, you know, offering something that's great in terms of the idea that is behind it. I mean, I think it's one of the few uses of decentralization that actually does make sense, um, and, and you know, I, and I really appreciate that. But the thing is that these companies have been around for so long, yet they haven't managed to kind of um, get out of this crypto nest, so to speak. So if, if you try to download, to download Sia's client or Storage's client, it's still super buggy. It's still super complex. For example, if you if, if you download Sia, uh, it takes a shit ton of time to synchronize the whole blockchain. Like it, it's just not made for someone who's not technical enough or who's not willing to give away all this kind of usability. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I just don't think these solutions are optimal. So 
Um, I think the technology underlying these are is great. It does it does need some polishing as we're doing uh, with all these external audits and all these internal improvements. Because again, Dropbox, although their fundamental technology is inferior, they do have a lot of money to build, to build something very solid. So I think in terms of technology, this like storage ASI, etc., they do need a bit of polishing to achieve that. But most importantly, in terms of user experience, I think that's you know the, what they're not caring about at all. So these companies have a huge team of developers, but I don't think they have anything other than that. Like they just don't seem to care at all about marketing. They, just, they don't seem to care at all about design, and they just don't seem to care at all about the customer. So that's what we're here for. We're here for the customer, not just for the technology. Um, so I think that's what differentiates it from the, uh, what differentiates uh, XCloud from from Storage or Sire. Excellent. I've read and heard through the grapevine that you have a partnership with BlackBerry. Is that something we can talk about? Yeah, totally. I mean, uh, that's public. Uh, I think that we published that uh, one or two weeks ago, yeah. Mm-hmm. Could you tell us a little bit more? Yeah, sure. So, as I was saying, um, in terms of technology, there still needs to be quite a lot done to take this service into the mass market. And that's why we thought that partnering with a company like BlackBerry, which is focused on, on security right now, could be interesting. So basically, yeah, they have this program where they they choose you know different partners and they teach them uh, about different security uh, and encryption protocols they use, and, and we thought making use of those resources could be interesting for us uh, towards improving the product internally. So these will help us for sure optimize and, and polish our infrastructure. And as I was saying, we also talked with Hacken, and they will do external audits, and uh, you know they will help us improve improve the infrastructure uh, by, by looking for vulnerabilities, etc. So yeah, basically the partnership with BlackBerry is just part of these things we're doing to improve the infrastructure overall. So would you say the partnership with BlackBerry is along the lines of them accepting you onto some kind of accelerator or incubator and investing in you guys? Or a partnership where they may be using your product at some point? So BlackBerry has this enterprise partner program. Everything is uh, explained in our Medium article. But they have this partnership program where they choose some companies and they share their knowledge with them. That, that, that's basically what we're part of. So basically, BlackBerry makes available some security resources that they find valuable, and you know they, they share them with some uh, companies in the hopes of them, uh, perhaps in the future, making use of BlackBerry's security services as well and implementing them in, our, in their infrastructure. So that's kind of how it plays out. Gotcha, nice. I think it could be something very interesting for companies like BlackBerry to have xCloud pre-installed in their software, basically as, as per default. So you know, phones uh, running, uh, you know, Android like BlackBerry phones running Android could have xCloud uh, installed as per default. Or for example, HP laptops could have xCloud installed as per default. And they, you know, these, com- these companies do this all the time uh, for different kinds of kind of products. Um, so what would the benefit to HP or BlackBerry pre-installing your product xCloud be? Like we could, we've discussed the the benefits to the end user. What would incentivize BlackBerry, for instance, to put your software on their phones or tablets or whatever else? Yeah. So I mean, um, people can basically use our product without having these companies uh, pre-install this this software in their in their you know hardware. So I mean, they can just go into the App Store or or, or our website and download it once it's up. But we think it would, it would be more interesting if this product came already built in different uh, you know hardware for instance take oneplus um say again we've not talked about this with with any of them so um yeah it's all hypothetical 
yeah, but like it, it's something we do want to do, like that, that we want to do. So uh, how how we envision these is that, for instance, one uh, one class could have xCloud pre-installed and say a user uh, pays for the service, and we as a company are keeping a percentage of this uh, revenue to be able to sustain our services, etc. And basically, we would give a cut of this to OnePlus just for having the the kind of software pre-installed and giving us this like as a referral kind of thing. Yeah, uh, so got you. That makes sense. That, that that could make sense for for you know for, for both parties. Actually, we've created a very strong piece of software that we could both uh, benefit from just because you know they have this huge network of phones available, so they could also you know get get a cut of from it. So I think it would be pretty interesting. You talk about keeping your infrastructure running, and you, you've you talked about your infrastructure and BlackBerry contributing to helping you build that out. What's the risk if your infrastructure goes down or... Yeah, there's there's really nothing in our infrastructure that could go down, because the thing is that this is a peer-to-peer network. So when I'm storing something on the cloud, it's different computers all over the world which are storing these files. And these files are also replicated. Uh, always. So if, if one of these computers goes down, it automatically gets uh, replicated in another computer. So it's always out there. We don't really have anything to do with it being up or down. Um, and the, the way the algorithm is built, it doesn't allow that in our decentralized network of, of computers either. So what are the components that you have to fund and run? For the for the XCore uh, program? Yeah. There's no uh, minimum requirement so far uh, because we, we haven't finished the beta yet. So once we you know, once we know exactly how resource intensive the product, the process is, we will we will be able to know. But from from the testing we've done so far, it's it's not a resource intensive process at all. So basically, any machine can basically run it, um, and all you need basically is uh, storage capacity. So that's going to be the main uh, driver here. So yeah, so yeah, that's basically it. So we like to talk about token economics quite right. a lot on this show. How does your token work exactly? So I'm going to get paid in INXT if I host the node to distribute some files? Yeah, so how this plays out is um, for the beta, for instance, uh, people, like xCloud users, have to pay for the service in tokens, in, in Internex tokens, and 100% of this payment goes to uh, XCore hosts. So that's how it plays out, pretty much. Um, for the stable version, however, we're going to open a fiat window. So people, and why we do this is because we, we're going to start targeting the, the mainstream market. So basically how it's going to play out is that, say, some user wants to use our service, he won't even have to know about our cryptocurrency at all. So he can pay in dollars, uh, so say $2, and this gets automatically converted into Internext by buying Internext from the market. So it's virtually the same as if he was paying directly Internext. Uh, but, but, you know, the reason why we do this is because if we were in opening this window, we would have much much fewer users, and this would be uh, this wouldn't be beneficial for for anybody basically. So by opening this kind of uh, window, we you know we allow for many more users to sign up. And again, these internet get bought from the market with those dollars, and then these internet tokens get sent to hosts. One thing that really jumped out at me in your white paper <laughs> is the Series A that is coming next year. Correct. Based on the economics of your token, whereby mm-hmm. all revenue is spent uh, either buying this token to, to distribute it to the people who run their nodes or mm-hmm. pass directly to them, what will the Series A investors get? It seems like you'll either have to change your token model or 
I, well, I mean, I guess you just have to change your token model. Is that correct? Because otherwise your Series A investors won't have any way to profit from your success. So basically how a Series A wor will work is how any Series A will wor uh, works. Basically, so uh, we'll be giving away equity from the company uh, in exchange for, for funds, so from, from money. So, so what, how does your company make money? Because from, from like your cloud services, if all revenue goes to the people who run the nodes... I don't. How are you guys making turn any profit there? Yeah. So we basically earn a commission from each transaction. This won't be happening, however, in the beta, and it won't be happening for a relatively long time. So until probably at least mid next year, this won't be happening. Why? Because um, if we don't have a big enough network, it doesn't make sense to you know, earn a commission because it's, it's going to be in absolute terms, it's going to be really really small. So we want to focus on growing the network as much as possible by keeping our prices as low as possible and just focusing on growth, growth, growth. And once we need to, you know, become profitable, we just have to like switch the, like, turn the switch back on and start earning uh, commissions from each transaction. Um, but if we do a series A and we can get more funds to keep growing, we would just be focusing on growing and, gro and, you know, and growth, growth, growth. And once, you know, once we have a big enough network, we can just say, okay, let's just, you know, start becoming profitable and start earning commissions from these transactions. Okay, so you're not charging fees to start with, but once the the product's up and running and you guys have got a network, then you will charge fees. Something in this token model that would make me hesitant is the fact that the tokens don't get locked up, burned, or used by the people who receive them um, after, you know, via fees. Mm -hmm. So if you run a node and you get X thousand of your tokens, mm -hmm. presumably you're only really incentivized to immediately sell them. Mm -hmm. uh, which means that demand doesn't necessarily outstrip supply as soon as you're receiving them, you're selling them on. You know, it doesn't seem like it will obviously increase the price. Is that something you guys have thought about? Is there, Have you got yeah. any plans to help out your token holders uh, maybe by trying to add economic incentives for the node runners to hold the tokens or some kind of burn mechanism? Mm -hmm. Right. So... That, that, that's something, of course, we've thought of, and um, it, it's a very interesting question. So we don't yet know what the legal framework looks like in basically developed regions when it comes to cryptocurrencies, right? So um, we don't know, for, for instance, the US, we don't know what exactly they will be considering a security in terms of cryptocurrency or whatnot. So we... Like what, what we had in mind in terms of, of that of operating our token economics is insane. Uh, like uh, paying paying more uh, to those hosts who hold more tokens. So if a host decides to hold their tokens in one month, the next month uh, he will get paid more. Something else we thought of would be uh, burning. Uh, so basically, if if if, if, uh, if an XCloud client pays X amount of tokens, we keep. Uh, some percentage, the host gets another percentage, and another percentage gets burned. So we thought of all kinds of stuff that we'll be applying potentially uh, in our token economics to you know upgrade them. Um, but the thing is that we don't want to do any of these before we know what the rules of the game are. So before you know, developed uh, economies say, okay, guys, so these are the two token models you can have. So Ether and Bitcoin, for instance, they said that they are utilities and they're not securities. Okay, but what's the exact framework like what are the exact characteristics that they will be applying to these because i'm pretty sure that they won't be applying the ones they have right now so it will be a slightly modified version of this kind of security legislation they have going on right now so once we know what the rules of the game are 
we'll be able to make an informed decision and say, okay, so if we want to, if we are a security, we can upgrade our token economics uh, by doing this, this and that, and this will make the coin value go up. And that's great. But what are the cons? Uh, do we have to pay $4 million or $2 million or $200,000 or $20,000? Or, or, or do we have to pay anything at all to become a security? So what are the pros, the pros and cons? And you know, once you know what the what, you know what the framework will look like, we'll we'll be able to make a decision. Right now, it's basically a pure utility token, so basically people use it to pay, and it doesn't necessarily indeed mean that it, it will increase in value. Um, but once we know what the framework is, we potentially be you know in our token economics. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think a lot of utility tokens are facing the same issues. Uh, I only really raised that because of the emphasis in your white paper on market buying uh, tokens you know, from the potential fiat gateway. But I think you're right, a lot of people are slightly nervous about that and a bit hesitant to add things like the token burn-in. So yeah, I think that seems relatively sensible. Yeah. Good I mean, to hear that you guys are thinking about it and even though you might not necessarily be able to do it now, you are looking at ways in the future to reward your investors. That's great to hear. Yeah, totally. I mean, we just want to make sure that we don't make a decision now that will negatively affect the signature. Uh, so once we know, you know, what well, the rules of the game are, we just play the game. But sure. before, before that, uh, you know, I mean, in terms of increasing value, I mean, hosts would, like many hosts would potentially just think, uh, hold the tokens anyway, because if, if the xCloud network keeps growing, uh, more internet tokens will be needed, kind of thing, will, will be bought. So if a host is clever, he will store those tokens, that he won't sell them because potentially the value will increase. But if, if the amount of internet bought equals the, the amount of internet sold, there's indeed no net increase in value of the token uh, right now. But I, I believe that you know many hosts, many hosts right now will still be incentivized to hold the tokens anyway, uh, because I think it makes sense right now. Well, I think game theoretically, it'd be very poor move to hold the tokens and allow other hosts to sell them on you. So, but I see what you're saying. Theoretically, if they could form some kind of oligopoly, they could all hold them together in some kind of cartel move. But in that case, like, you know, game theoretically, one member of the cartel is always going to break. So I'm not, I don't 100% buy that explanation. But I do think that the same issue is facing basically every utility token in crypto right now. So I don't think it's an unreasonable uh, effort from you guys. And unlike a lot of other utility tokens, you're actually thinking about it and looking for ways to reward your investors. So I think that's very positive. Yeah, totally. I mean, in practical terms, it's, it's actually relatively simple to, to upgrade our token economics and make, uh, you know, I, I just, you know, suggested some measures uh, before that we would Yeah, I mean, if you're allowed to burn tokens, that yeah. clears it up immediately, right? You can just implement yeah, exactly. that straight away. But yeah, as you say, waiting on legislation and we're all, yeah. uh, we're all waiting yeah. with bated breath, Fran. Yeah, totally. I mean, we're here for the long term and we want to make sure that we don't fuck up by being, you know, by, by applying something too fast. Uh, so, you know, yeah, that's, we, we'll potentially be doing it, but we want to make sure that we know that what we're doing is right. And yeah. Sounds very sensible. Thank you very much for joining us this week on Crypto Weekly Extra. Fran, it's been a really interesting chat and I'm sure our listeners are going to be really, really pleased to hear this interview. If we head on over to internext.com slash cloud, you can sign up for the beta and also be in with a chance every week to win 50 free INXT, which you can put towards paying for the platform during the beta and the full release. Thanks, guys. Yeah, it was a pleasure being here. Good to speak to you, Fran. Thanks a lot, Fran. Lovely to chat with you. Bye.